Hey, it's so good to be here today with you all. My name is Kyle Hayes, and I am echoing and waiting. Okay, there you go. Good job. Uh, I'm the Director of Development at Children of Promise. So thrilled to be here with you today. I'm going to say it right out of the gate. If you don't know, this church is the number one most sponsoring church in the world for Children of Promise. Yeah. Nothing like a little healthy competition to start your Sunday morning. But seriously, we are so thankful for this church. Literally hundreds of children have been helped all around the world through our 31 years as an organization through this church. And when I used to be a missions pastor in Ohio, my goal as a missions pastor was always that a random dude that came to our church like once a month, if he was at a barbecue, he could answer the question, hey, why do you go to that church? He'd say things like, oh, we help kids all around the world, or we do ministry here in the city we live in. I really wanted that for our church. And I want to tell you all, you're at a church that can do that. You're at a church who is doing that. You can say that at your barbecue or your Christmas gathering to a friend. You should be proud of this congregation. In this role, I get to travel all over the U.S. preaching sermons like this one in big churches, medium churches, little churches all over the country. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to look right, you, right in your eyes and tell you this. You are somewhere special. Don't take it for granted. The leaders you have here are special. This place is special, and we are so thankful for you. All right, we want to just share some updates today. Because you are who you are, we have a very historic update, a brand new thing we're doing around the world starting this Christmas. I'm going to share with you a little bit later. You're going to have to wait, sorry, but we'll get to that later. And uh, I want to share some ways that your generosity over the years has helped many children. If you're new to this congregation, uh, you're going to find out some things that are pretty amazing about First Church has helped kids get educations, get degrees, uh, have regular food for their family, even though they're growing up in really tough places in the world, and we are so thankful for that. So today we're going to talk about the table. What does it mean to have a seat at the table and to make space for people at the table? Now, I often tell churches all over the country, we are not a nutrition agency. We are not an education agency or healthcare or discipleship agency. That may surprise you. We are a wholeness organization. We believe God cares about the whole child, the whole community, family, and the whole world. We believe God is calling us to care for children, body, soul, mind, and strength. And this is what we do around the world, is we make space for kids to run towards their dreams, even though they were born in places where they don't have access, they don't have a seat at the table yet. And that's where you come in. So this idea of wholeness, biblical wholeness, is a big idea. It sounds like a new trendy word, but actually it's a very old idea. From Leviticus, if you were here last time we were here, we did a whole sermon on this word. We're not going to do it today, but I thought as a recap, I would share a quick definition I wrote about wholeness. Here it is. Wholeness is the ancient idea that people can find peace, happiness, and connection with God, God's world, themselves, and others. We believe that God wants this for all human beings on planet Earth. But many of our friends, because of the neighborhood they were born into, don't have the same opportunities that you and I take for granted, like more than one meal a day, or maybe even one meal a day, like the opportunity to go to school. These are things we don't even think about. Many of my, my kids complain about school sometimes. Trust me, the kids we interview, they're not complaining about school, but we'll get to that in a minute. 
So this idea of wholeness, I truly wholeheartedly believe in all over the world I've traveled and seen churches like this one, churches in tiny villages in Tanzania and in Ecuador and in Myanmar, all over the world. This is what the church should be most famous for, is making space at the table. The church, big C church, global church throughout history has been famous for some things and infamous for some things. And that's what happens when human beings are involved. But let me tell you this, friends, it may not make your news cycle, but this is what we should be most famous for. I guarantee it will not be on CNN or Fox News today, but all around the world as I'm speaking, regular everyday people are serving their communities through Children of Promise and making space for kids around the world and changing the world one kid at a time. And you're a part of that story. That's what wholeness is, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But let's talk about this table thing. I've said table like 12 times already today, and I'm probably going to say it a lot more, so buckle your seatbelt. But where does this idea of the table come from? I learned some of these concepts of biblical shalom and all these fancy terms in Bible college, but actually I learned this concept way earlier, no surprise here, from my grandmothers. Anybody surprised? When I was a young boy, I have a vivid memory of setting the table which I actually own this table now. It's at my house in Anderson where my kids and I eat. But I have a vivid memory of setting the table with my grandma and her saying to me, Kyle, go out to the porch, get a few more chairs. We need to make more space at the table. So I would go out to the porch. I would get way too many of those metal chairs that every grandma in church seemed to have for some reason. And I would try to show off for my family and pinch my fingers, but I would bring the chairs in. So I did this for a few years. And over as I got older, though, I learned an important lesson about table setting, about making space. So don't miss this, because often in the U.S. we miss this part of it. If wholeness making is what we're called to do, it needs to cost us something. Because I learned the more chairs I brought in to the table, the less of Mammal's peach cobbler I got. You follow me? Thanksgiving's coming up. You can picture, insert here, your favorite thing. But I knew if more people were coming to the party, I was going to get less of what I wanted. But here's what I've learned, my friends, in all my travels around the world. Justice work should cost us something. You and I have been blessed at a level that most of you probably can't even comprehend. And we have a biblical calling to share. But we'll come back to that in a second. So we, I truly believe that the church should be most famous for this idea of making space at the table, changing lives by sharing from what we have. So I want to introduce you to a little girl from Tanzania. Her name is Dorcas. Dorcas is growing up in a really unique place in Tanzania. If you've seen Nat Geo or um, been maybe to Tanzania before, you're probably picturing like long, endless savanna, wild animals. That does exist. We have kids in another part of Africa whose uh, fence gets broken by elephants every year. Like, that's a real thing that happens for people. But that's not the part of Tanzania that Dorcas lives in. Dorcas lives high in the Rift Valley in the mountains. It's actually quite cool there most of the year. That's why she's wearing a little cute sweater. And um, in her village, there, there's twisty, twisty little roads that go all over the place in these mountain roads. Not a lot of room to move. And when I was able to take my family to Tanzania last year to work with Children of Promise, uh, my kids got to see Africa for the first time. They saw all the things you probably would think you'd see in Africa. Little small huts like this, big cities, also Mount Kilimanjaro, all this stuff, animals. But one of their big takeaways from the trip was, interest, interestingly, Dorcas's journey to church. Now, why was that interesting? 
You see, in my house in Anderson, we have a walnut tree that's about 10 feet from the road, maybe like this first row of chairs. And my kids have known since they were little, you are not allowed to go past that tree because that, we have lived on a very busy road and we're not letting them go past it. In fact, they get in trouble if they go past this tree because it's not safe. Well, that's not the case for Dorcas. You see, Dorcas's mom and dad, like many kids that we work with around the world, on average, they have four to six siblings because they work the land. They need lots of workers. <laughs> so the parents often have many children. And on average, the kids we work with live on less than two U.S. dollars a day. So when it comes time for distribution, for our kids to come to the church to receive the goods that many of you are providing for them, mom and dad can't afford to take off work. In fact, when they do take off work, it's a very big deal. And little kids like Dorcas are forced to go. They have to go without a parent to try to get these goods. Sometimes with a younger sibling tied on their back. I mean, we saw this often. I wish I was exaggerating this number, but I'm not. You're right. Pastors do often round up a little, but I'm not on this one. These kids, they walk four to six hours alone on these twisty roads to get the resources that they need. Now, if you've ever wondered, do the kids really need these goods? Are they really that desperate? Is the poverty really that bad? Imagine sending your kid on these twisty mountain roads just to get a month's worth of food. Yes, the desperation is sincere and serious. These kids are living at a level of desperation. So they have to go to find the resources that they need. And that's something that my kids took away from the trip. Another memory from that trip that blew my kids' mind, we're going to talk about health care in a few minutes, is we drove down a dry riverbed up to one of the Church of Gods that was in the middle of nowhere. It took us forever to get there. No concrete roads for quite a while to get back there. We drove down, the, the bridge was washed out, so we drove down into the dry riverbed and up the other side, and we saw people coming up out of a hole in the river, carrying something heavy. And I said to my kids, uh, who were seven and nine at the time, I said, guys, do you see what they're doing? And they were like, uh, is that water? I said, yeah, that is their water source for the day. When the river dries up, you dig down and get it. And that was the reality for these little kids, my kids' age. If they wanted to wash dishes that day and to cook, they had to carry it back to the house. This is the kind of places in the world where we're working and where we can make space for kids. I'm, I'm excited to tell you that Dorcas is sponsored now and is a part of the program, already in school and doing really well um, because somebody in the U.S. was willing to make a space for her at the table. So I want to introduce you to another Dorcas now, much older Dorcas uh, from Acts 9, so in the Bible. <laughs> and this is an interesting story. If you've not heard of the biblical character Dorcas, there's a few reasons why. It's a tiny story kind of tucked into a bunch of other stories in Acts but there's something really interesting that happens here that I think we can learn from when it comes to what are we willing to share. So let me read this to you. This is in uh, Acts 9.36. It says, Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in the Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At the time, she became ill and died. Which, poor lady to even get like an intro here. She's just dead right out of the gate. So she's dead now, and they washed her up and laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men with the request, please come to us without delay. This is the apostle Peter, one of the 12. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, he took, he took, they took him to the room upstairs. All the windows, widows stood behind, beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Now, Let's zoom out here for a second. Let me grab my tunic. Imagine you're Peter. You're not even in this city. You're called to come in a rush. 
You get into this up, upper room, and all chaos is ensuing. There's a dead lady, there's all these women freaking out, and they're shoving like fabric in your face. So what would you do in this scenario? <laughs> like, where do, you, where do you begin in this situation? People are panicked and upset. So what's going on here? Let's talk about Dorcas for a second. Dorcas is a, was a, young, a, a female leader in the early church because she shared from a gift she had. She was a seamstress. She had a habit of not only having a business from her seamstress work, but sharing the goods she made with the community, especially widows, people who did not have what they needed, making space for them, sharing from her gifts, something we can all do. Maybe I can't sew, but what can I do to share with those in need? We all have something. And that was a decision she had made. And we see the fruit of that on the day she passes. Because she's there, passed, and everybody's rushing in, shoving fabric up in the Apostle Peter's face saying, look, look what she did for me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this made me ask myself a very simple question. I want to ask you the same question. On the day, weekend, week, you pass, will anybody have anything to hold? Will will anyone have anything to show from what you shared with them? Will anyone come rushing in saying, look, look what they did for me? Personally, I want to live a life where people could run in and say, this was his legacy for me. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and learn how to sew today, okay? I'm telling you, what are you willing to share? What is your legacy? Because wholeness is all about taking what we have and making space for others, even when it costs us something. We'll come back to Dorcas in a second, because her story is most certainly not over. No reading ahead. And uh, we will uh, get there there in a second, because for the rest of our time, I want to share with you four tables that kids in our program get access to because of your generosity. Some of you have probably sponsored for years. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about us. And yes, we make food possible for families on a monthly basis. I've already talked about that. We help kids get health care. The core four you saw in the video, that's how we work. But I want want to challenge you to think a little bit more critically today about the program and how it's a lot more holistic than you think. Because there was even a time in my life when I didn't understand how holistic the program can be. So the first kid I want to tell you about is a little guy named Shuvo, okay? Shuvo is growing up near Dhaka, Bangladesh. Uh, My boss, Mike Webb, who's out at Benton Heights today, he just got back from here literally like five days ago. He was just in Shuvo's neighborhood. Now, imagine this if you can. Your family is living on less than $2 a day, desperation. You cannot go to school, even though you'd like to get an education. You can't. You can't afford it. And you don't have regular food. Like, you don't even know when your next meal might be coming. This is the reality for a kid like Shuvo. But then a local leader in the Church of God comes to you and says, Shuvo, you've been nominated to become a child of promise. The mother and father have to opt in, which is our, was the case for all over the world. We don't work with orphans. We work with families. This is how we develop communities. So the families have to sign up and be a part of this process. And children are nominated. People are often surprised, as was I the first time this happened, that not all the kids are from the Church of God. They're not all kids that are already in the Sunday school necessarily. This is global outreach. I've met kids who are children of promise kids who are Muslim. That might surprise you because they come from Muslim families. And the Church of God in that area decided that's where the need was, so they reached out to those families, and those kids are part of our program and attend local Church of God Sunday school every week. I've met kids who are Buddhist 
who were invited into the program because that's where the need in the community was. So our leaders custom fit it to each community, nominate children who have the most need, and then the family signs up. But imagine if you're Shuvo, you've just found out you're going to get food every month for your family, school is on its, around the corner, and then nothing happens, and nothing happens, and nothing happens. In our old system of Children of Promise, for the first chunk of our organization, the only way we could help kids like Shuvo was a sponsorship, like hopefully some of you will do today. And around 25-ish people have already done this morning that I know of so far, is to sponsor a kid and get them into the program. But often they have to wait for that. At our worst point, a year and a half, kids were waiting, waiting and waiting after all these things have been promised to them. That's where the gap fund comes in. In 2021, we had had enough of this waiting process, and we invented the gap fund. The gap fund is very simple. People give any amount of money, if you gave me a $20 bill or even a $1 bill in the lobby afterwards, it can go into the Gap Fund to get kids like Shuvo started now. See, the good news is, is Shuvo was sponsored last fall in 2022, meaning that he would have had to wait almost two full years from his nomination in 2020. But he was one of the first kids ever in the Gap Fund, and so for a whole year and a half, he's been in school, getting food, all of that before he found his long-term sponsor. That's how the Gap Fund works. It gets kids in the program now so that we can get them the resources they need and get them out of the hole of poverty. So, a seat for Shuva. You can help a kid today do that through the Gap Fund or even give monthly to the Gap Fund, as some people tend to do, if a general gift is more interesting to you than having a kid you can write letters to and things. It's a new way to give. I'm excited to tell you in our very first year of the Gap Fund, a brand new idea, an idea we were nervous to even say out loud because we didn't know how people would receive it. 750 kids entered all of the core four benefits I just shared about in the first year because of the Gap Fund. And many of them now have found long-term sponsors. So it has changed our entire ministry. I don't mean that. That's no hyperbole at all. It's changed everything we do. The second and maybe the most long-standing, most game-changing element of what we do, and the thing I love the most, is a seat at the desk. Education. Because the Gap Fund or sponsorship, it gets a kid into the process now. But Education is what changes kids' lives long-term. These two lovely ladies are in our program in Uganda. They've both recently graduated out of Uganda's, out of the program, which our kids go through Children of Promise through high school. And Angel is now studying in university to be a teacher, and she wants to go back into the same neighborhood she grew up in to teach and impact kids where she grew up in the tough slums of Kampala, as well as Janet is studying to be a fashion designer in the fashion industry there, which is just really cool. Um, and you can see these kids that get an opportunity to run towards their dream and somebody gives them a seat at the desk. One of my favorite stories is a kid in Ecuador who now has a um, patent with the Ecuadorian government for a threshing machine that he invented with his mechanical engineering degree he received. None of that would have happened because if you rewind 15 years, he was a little boy who could not afford elementary school. That's it. People often ask me, Kyle, why is school so difficult? Well, it's pretty simple, actually. The two hurdles for all of our kids, 5,000 kids, 34 countries, the two hurdles that stop most kids from school is school fees and school uniforms. That's it. In countries like Botswana, every kid in the country can go to school for free, but you have to have a uniform. And the families we work with cannot even afford that for their children, so they don't go. A whole another generation of their family trees stays stuck in poverty, and they can't get out because of a uniform. When you sponsor a kid today, and I don't mean this as an exaggeration, they can be in school as soon as next month, because that's how quick we work. 
We want these kids off the waiting list ASAP, and you can do that today by sponsoring a kid. So education, it's a game changer all around the world, and these are real people I'm thinking of right now in my mind. I've met doctors, dentists, safari guides, translators, pastors, nurses, PhD candidate in Tanzania who's now a professor. These are real kids who somebody just gave them a seat at the desk, and they ran with it. This is what happens when we make space at the table. Our third stop on our wholeness journey, if those of you who are paying attention, you know the third stop on the core four is healthcare. Good. Healthcare. And um, before I ruin the story, because I always get too excited, I want to tell people about this neighborhood, the most na- interesting neighborhood I've ever visited by a long shot, I want to show you this video of a kid named Rajek in the Philippines who's growing up in a cemetery. Check it out. <laughs> This is the house of Jasmia. This is this is an example of a home of some of the kids here, uh, especially after the fire. This is the kitchen, and then this is the home. And how many live here? How many? Five. Five. There's six people here. And we're on stilts right now above the ground uh, where uh, during flood times, the water comes up up down here. Yeah, yeah. So you can get a feel for what it's like. And even here, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. Thank you. you. He was Rajek Pelasol, who was once our uh, beneficiary from the medical assistance, no? From the the children of Ramis, no? He was being hospitalized due to uh, kidney failure that brought by the leptospirosis from the urine of the rat. And uh, he was so very thankful for the assistance that was given to him when he was only 13 and now he was se- uh, 17. And that's uh, uh, we really prayed, no? And with the assistance that was given to him, he was given yeah, medical attention. And we even visited him in the hospital. And uh, the mother was uh, really uh, in his uh, last hope, no? But God is crying again. The mother is still crying, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they cannot imagine that with the help and assistance of the program, he was now here with us. We were so happy. Heating and alive. (laughs) We're so happy you're helping. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. thank you. So let me tell you about Rajek's neighborhood because it is, wow, it's bizarre. Uh, in Manila, Philippines, which is one of the most jam-packed cities in the world, millions and millions of people, uh, there's a very opulent Chinese cemetery. And the best way to describe it to you is like a small American town. There are paved streets, street signs. Each of the mausoleums for the dead or maybe soon to be dead, I don't know, down, they're family owned. Um, these are bigger than my house. Like these are beautiful mausoleums. And in the corner of this opulent place are squatters. People have been allowed to live because they have nowhere else to go. And uh, some of you who follow our things know there was even a fire here in the, in the squatting village. And many of our children were affected by that. We were able to rebuild some of those homes. And it's a tough place to grow up. Uh, when I was there, I asked them, uh, so how many typhoons do you guys have a year? And they said, well, we think we're going to have 22 this year. I was like, 22? I thought it was like a, every couple of years you have a typhoon. No, they have serious storms every year there, and it brings up all sorts of things that flood his neighborhood and many of the children we work with there. 
As you saw in the video, he was poisoned by his own drinking water and didn't know it and was literally on death's door until he got help through the program. Somebody who sponsors him, who gives $32 a month, like less than a pizza night, saved his life because he was able to go and get the medical care he needs because he was a sponsored kid. It's that simple, friends. And you saw the mother. Some of you may have caught that. She was still crying years later because she knows the reality. Many of the other children in this neighborhood who I met, some of these kids, they have nowhere else to go. If they're sick or if they're injured, if they break a leg, that's it. You just pray and hope and wait. There's nowhere to go. There's no money to share to get into a doctor's office. This is the reality for the kids we work with, but when you help sponsor a kid or give to the Gap Fund, you are giving a kid a second chance at life, even a kid who lives in a cemetery. And no spoiler alerts, but this actually reminds me a little bit of Dorcas's story back in Acts 9, because if you recall, she's dead. Um, and in verse 40, Peter has to react, okay? So this is what happens next. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, Dorcas, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows in, he showed her to be alive. This, came, uh, this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Friends, I'm going to say it again. This is what the church should be most famous for. We give people a second chance at life. I see it all over the world. This is your legacy as a church. Uh, Rajek isn't an outlier. We have, we have kids right now who are going through ocular surgeries, brain surgery, setting bones, those would not be options for them. Ocular surgery, are you kidding me? No way, no way. But because those kids are sponsored, they're able to get a seat at the exam table, and you're making a huge difference around the world. I want to tell you about one last seat, and that is the discipleship, the Sunday school table. When you get a kid in the program, you make space for them at the table. All around the world, I get the same question. So I'm going to answer it for you right now, and you don't have to ask me afterwards, okay? So pay attention. All around the world, I get asked this question. What makes Children of Promise different? I hear it all over the country. The answer is very simple. We have no international staff. Now, what's the big deal with that? I'll tell you what the big deal is. When the kids like Milton here in Ecuador come to the local church for resources or discipleship for Sunday school, it's not me as an American doing it. It's his local pastor. He's handed the food each month by his worship leader or his Sunday school teacher or his principal at the school. We only work through local church volunteers, over 1,000 of them around the world. Now, what does that mean? That means that we can get more of your dollars directly to the child you're aiming to help. Um, around $26.50 to $28, depending on the country, of your 32 goes to the kid. That's how lean of an organization we are. And we fight for that because we want the kids to get the help, not the organization. We want the kids to get the help so that they can get on their wholeness journey. And kids like Milton, who actually himself also had some serious health issues the program helped him with, he unfortunately was dropped by his sponsor. And this is the third thing that the Gap Fund does for kids, the third gap it helps them overcome. We've never dropped a child from our program in 31 years, and we never plan on doing that. But every year, sponsors have to drop a child for different reasons. Maybe they've passed away. Maybe they're sick or they have financial issues. We understand that. That's part of working as a, as a nonprofit. But the Gap Fund protects kids like Milton because after years of being in the program, getting his education, being discipled in his local church, we don't want that to stop. 
The gap fund enables kids like Milton to stay in the program so they can continue to run on their wholeness journey. Now, uh, on this next slide, I want to talk a little bit about what this money does and maybe something that might be a little bit surprising to you. So to recap, I've shared a lot of information. It's actually quite simple. If you want to provide the core four for a kid in extreme poverty, there's two major ways to do it with Two Children of Promise. Option one, you can sponsor a kid. This church has a goal of 51 kids to be sponsored across all four campuses today. And I said this church because I didn't make that number up. Your missions team did, so you can blame them, but (laughs) we're already well on our way towards that goal. So if you sponsor a kid today, they will be getting all of those resources I just mentioned. They can start school this fall. If you're not so sure about sponsoring a kid, and we get that, writing them letters, maybe even going to visit them, as one of your own is doing, uh, Myra Wiggins, some of you might know her, Uh, she is going with me to Uganda next week, (laughs) literally, Uh, you can visit your child. But if you're interested in helping kids more in a general fashion, you can do that through the Gap Fund. Any amount of money, one time or ongoing, can help all the kids in those gaps I just mentioned. Get them involved in the program. If you're not sure how much to give or what, like, what's an even a, a starting place, on the next slide, it's very simple. $32 guarantees a kid can get started. It's pretty much that simple. Whether you're sponsoring them or you're just giving us a gift. If you gave me $32 in pennies today, it could help a kid get started. It's that simple, okay? But let me, let me reiterate something because if you haven't traveled, and I'm sure some of you in this room have, but if you haven't traveled internationally, it is very difficult to fathom the amount of poverty we're talking about. People often say, there's, there's poverty here in the U.S., Kyle. And I, I would say, yeah, I agree with you. I was an outreach pastor for many years. There's some important work, even in your announcement video today, you need to be doing. But the level of poverty we're working at is a whole different level of poverty. Kids are, they have zero options. And we, we talked about human trafficking in the announcement video earlier. Does anybody know the number one driver of human trafficking on planet Earth? It's very simple. We've talked about it all morning so far. Poverty. When families are in extreme poverty, they have to make extreme decisions on what to do with their children to survive, even if that means potentially selling a child. It happens. But when you sponsor a kid, it protects them financially from having to make those hard decisions. And that's not me saying that. That's direct out of the mouth of our director in India. So Children of Promise is doing a lot more than just getting kids by. We're protecting kids. We're giving them a safe future to dream towards. However, back to what I was saying. Americans often can't fathom the level of poverty we're talking about. So let me, let me turn it around and paint it in our own context, okay? In, in the United States, we love to talk trash about the one percenters. They're all building spaceships and flying to space because they're bored. They have unlimited funds. And it's like, wow, good job. Look at them. But there's a, there's a little bit more going on. If you here in the U.S. as a family unit make more than $32,000 a year, you by global standards are a three, four, or five percenter. Let that sink in for a second. You're rich. Congrats. Yeah. If you took nothing else home today, you could take that home. You're doing real well. <laughs> in fact, when we talk about kids like Dorcas, we don't use the term developing world anymore. What we use is majority world. Anyone have a guess why? Because we're the weird ones. You and I, that we just took school for granted, that we have multiple vehicles, that we have AC in our house, that we eat three meals a day and have snacks on the side. We're the weird ones. And we have so much to share, so much to share. We are called to get a part and make space at the table for kids who don't have the same options that you and I have had. So let's talk as we finish up about how you can get involved with Children of Promise on the next slide. There's a lot of different ways to get involved, and as we wrap, 
Oh, sorry, actually, I want to talk about one more person. I almost skipped her. And this is the big announcement, too. That would have been so sad. You guys would have been just left so angry. <laughs> I want to tell you about one more Dorcas. Believe it or not, there is one more. I'd shared with you about the little Dorcas in Tanzania, the biblical Dorcas, and I want to introduce you now to Prisca. Prisca is a young woman. Uh, she's in her 20s now, a young mother. She's actually from the same part of Tanzania as little Dorcas, up in the mountains of the Rift Valley. And as a young woman... Uh, when she was still a sponsored child, she really had a dream and wanted to become a seamstress. Sound familiar? She wanted to be a biblical Dorcas. She wanted to be a seamstress. But she could never afford a sewing machine. There was no way. At the time, we didn't have a way to seed fund ideas like that for a kid. And so we would ask sponsors. And her sponsor at the time, four or five years ago, gave her a sewing machine. But you might be looking at these photos behind me and realizing something a little bit different here there's a few other sewing stations, and there's a few other people. These are her employees' friends. She took that one sewing machine, which now she has five, and she has a very sustainable business now in the mountains of Tanzania, making money off of her seamstress work, but also, like her namesake, sharing with those in need. And if you're not sure what I mean, in Swahili, Prisca means Dorcas. So we have a dream with our fourth step in our GAP Fund, and we're actually launching this this Christmas. This is the big announcement we've been excited to share at our biggest sponsoring church in the world. Our fourth level of the GAP Fund, we're going to call Children of Promise Seed Funds. Our third level actually is university grants. We actually do help children in our program, the best and brightest. They can apply through their directors and go to university, trade school, seminary, nursing school. But most of our kids are not, not going to do that. But many of them have business ideas. And through our global research, we've found that many of these kids' ideas can be started for around 250 U.S. dollars. Anybody have a business in this room? How much did it cost you to get started up? I doubt it was that much. But a roadside stand, I know a kid in Tanzania who has a video editing business that he does on his little cell phone he got. He would love to have a laptop. I mean, he would die to have a laptop to start because he already makes money off of his cell phone. I know kids who are training to be uh, athletic trainers, kids who are in the safari business that would love to start their own thing. These are what the kind of ideas we're talking about, seamstresses. And as they, starting this Christmas, a chunk of all the funds raised for our year-end campaign are going to go to help start GAP4, the Children of Promise Seed Fund. We're very excited about this. We believe in the next few years, yeah, you can clap for that. We believe because the U.S. dollar goes so far in some of these cultures, we can really seed fund a lot of dreams over the next few years. Some of these might be your own sponsored children who have a dream in the next few years, maybe starting a business because of the Gap Fund. We're very, very excited about it. So this Christmas, we have a goal of $160,000 across all of our worldwide partners, and uh, you can see more about that in our newsletter in the next couple weeks. So we're excited to take it to the next level and help finish the story for some of our kids as they finish the program. We can help them start their adult life in a really healthy way, and they can run towards their own dreams. All right, let's talk about how you can get involved as I wrap this up. I already talked about how you can sponsor a kid. We have a table right at the back of the room. My wife and kids are back here with me. We'd love to answer any questions you have. It takes about two minutes to sign up to sponsor a kid. You can look through the profiles, read about their life. We work really hard to get that information. So look through, get some information, ask me any questions you have. You can give to the Gap Fund on our website or at the table. If you want to give monthly to help kids on the waiting list like Dorcas was at one time, you can do it through the table. I have a woman in Northern Ohio who gives $100 a month to the table as her subscription to Wholeness. 
because she wants to help all the kids on the waiting list. So that's another option for you if a general gift is better. And the big thing I want to announce today is travel. We need more people from First Church traveling with us. You guys are number one. And we only have only had a couple people travel over the last like five or six years. We travel to visit every kid every three years on a cycle. It's a lot of travel. I've been in like 10, seven or ten countries this year alone, and we need help. We bring guests on every trip, and all we do on the trip is interview the kids. If you've ever wanted to see the global church or a global community up close and personal, I truly believe, and I've traveled with a lot of organizations, we're one of the best ways to do it. Because we literally interview the kids one by one, get to hear their stories, learn about their family life. We visit kids' actual homes, which is very rare on mission trips. We actually go see what, how they're living and often are invited in for tea and things like that in little 10 by 10 rooms. It's a very unique opportunity. And it can, it, I've taken kids as young as seven, eight years old and people in their mid-80s. So anybody can do these trips. We actually have a lunch today right after this service in the fellowship hall. If you're interested in traveling with us, we're going to do a deep dive for around an hour with food on how you can get involved in our trips next year. So if you're interested in traveling, come see. We have some very exciting trips next year, including an adventure hike trip in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Um, We also have something really unique coming up in just a couple days called the 300,000 Step Challenge. It's very simple. You walk 10,000 steps a day at the end of November, you'll have 300,000. You donate $30 to be a part of the challenge as people all over the country are doing right now. And the people who have the most steps at the end of the month, or if you have a team of people here at First Church who want to do it, the team with the most can also win a prize. And we're just going to have some fun with it and raise some money for the kids. So you can take steps towards wholeness also in that way if you're a Fitbit type person. (laughs) Track with us. So any questions you might have at the table, come and see us. The last thing I want to say before I pray is to get connected with us. People, you are number one. Why are you not on our newsletter? It's free. Every month, we work really hard to put a YouTube newsletter out every month, as well as a written newsletter. This is free to you. So childrenofpromise.global slash newsletter. You can sign up with the QR code while I pray, or sign up at the table if you're a pen and, uh, pen and paper type person. But get involved. There's a lot of, way more stuff than I had time to share about today. And you should be in the know. We want you to know what God is doing through this church around the world. Well, as I pray before David comes back up, I want to pray a prayer I pray all over the country. This is my favorite part of the service. Because I wholeheartedly believe that this idea of making space at the table is the greatest calling of the church. We are called to be this. This is what we should be most famous for. If you've ever wondered, there's got to be more to this church thing than just sitting in the right seat at the right time on a Sunday. Well, friends, this is it. You are called to share from what you've been given, even if it costs you something, and share and make space. So I want to pray a prayer of commissioning now over you to go and make wholeness possible in whatever form the Spirit's calling you to. It may be with us. It may be in a completely different way. It doesn't matter to me. I just truly believe that you will find freedom in letting go and sharing with others. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this congregation and this group of people that are here today. The ripple effect in our world as I speak in the lives of families in poor communities is unfathomable. It's impossible to even calculate how how many children have gotten jobs? How many children have hope? How many families have options now? Because of the generosity of this congregation over the last 30 years, it is unbelievable. And now, God, as we go out and say thank you for this opportunity, we want them to go and be table setters, wholeness makers, justice bringers, 
Maybe their fingers will get pinched a little bit also like mine were, bringing the tables, the chairs into the table. But they will know that they've been a part of a legacy that is changing our world that God ordained. So as they go now, I pray, God, you would call them to be all of those things and make a difference in our world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Kyle. Can we all stand as uh, we're dismissed? Thank you, Kyle, for sharing with us. Kyle's going to go to, back, to the back of the room. Um, we, we often talk about uh, here, just reminding you of our, our vision as a church, is to ignite Christ's passion in everyday people to restore God's ideal. And I love how the mission and the vision of Children of Promise so clearly aligns their idea of bringing wholeness to children. That's restoring God's ideal. The whole child, every part, the physical, the spiritual, the, the family, all of that, the health, all of that together. And so that's, that's part of our mission. And I would encourage you uh, to, be, to be on mission. And that's, it's just good to be reminded of why we're here. It's not just about us, but God has changed our lives. And we have this privilege of going into our world and sharing the good news, the difference that Christ has made in our lives to share that. And we share that uh, here locally. And there's a lot of things that we do here locally. But we also have a vision like we see in Acts 1-8 to take that good news to the ends of the earth. And we've talked today about children that live in some of those ends of the earth and have the privilege of changing lives. Again, not just here, we do that, but around, around the world. I would just invite you to join Crystal and I. I, I put in my Bible this morning, I took it from the, a little place in my office at home, the picture of our child that we sponsor. I encourage you to join us and sponsor a child, uh, be a part of the GAP program, go around the world and, and, and serve, uh, find a place somewhere to serve. Father, thank you, God, for the way that you give us opportunities as you've changed our lives, as we've admitted our own sin and recognize your son and all that he's done and we can find salvation in him and to just confess him as Lord. God, as we do those things that God, then you, it's not just about us, but God, then, then until the time you call us home, you've, you've put us on mission. And God, I thank you that this is a church that believes in that, of restoring your ideal and that partners with great organizations that extend that reach. God, I pray your rich, rich blessing on children of promise. God, we thank you. They are a key, a, a key partner in helping us to live out what you've called us to. Thank you, God. I pray your blessing on them. God, I pray that you would help us to see where you want us to fit uh, in, this, in, this, in this call that you have on our lives to make a difference in our world. God, we love you and thank you for the purpose you have given us. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.